fire was now bearing down on our home. I became aware in that moment that what happened next would be the difference between life and death. As a father and a husband, there's certain things that you would expect of yourself. And I think in that moment, I failed us all. There are some life-changing moments that completely catch us off guard. We may regret the choices we make, but they don't have to hold us to that moment. I'm Celia Filkey, and this is Messages of Hope. My guest today, Albert, had to face the consequences of his choices as fire threatened his home and family. It's hard to fully imagine what it must be like to be in the middle of a bushfire, unless you've been there. For Albert, it was the first time he'd been faced with the reality of an out-of-control bushfire. Albert, can you take me back to that day? It was the 20th of December. Uh, holidays were happening, but I think we were still tidying up at school. Uh, the principal had said, don't come into school. It was going to be windy, 46 degrees. It's catastrophic. In the morning, I was picking my son up from a, a sleepover. I dropped into the school to pick up my laptop and I grabbed my son. Even with all of the smoke, even with all of the sirens, even with all of the warnings, it was never evident to me that it was going to affect me personally. It was more, gee, we wonder what's going on over there, you know. And even coming home around midday, it was difficult to get through. We didn't see flames, but obviously there was lots of smoke and again, sirens and and so forth, and police redirecting us. My wife, who was working at the hospital that morning, had been sent home. So her boss said, the fires are significant now. Um, they're a long way from us, but it might be better for you to be at home. So it was good to get home, but neither of us expected what was about to happen. So what did you do at home? You got home? So we got home. My daughter and my son and myself and my wife chose to watch a film we love our watching films together. So we went into a room, we closed the blinds. It was a very hot day. We had the air conditioning running and we thought it would be fun to sit and watch a film, of all things. Well, you had a day off. We had... <laughs> yes, we had a day off. And it wasn't until perhaps half an hour into the, into the movie where my daughter got up, left the room with the blinds down, went to the back sliding doors and then came back in and said, Dad, there's a lot of smoke in the backyard. I walked out and oblivious again to the, all the dangers, I took some photos. Uh, the, the most stark photo was the one with my daughter against the sliding doors. The deck out the back was so filled with smoke, we couldn't see more than 10 metres outside our house. So looking back now to that moment, what do you think about how the day unfolded? Um, that's that's part of something that I'm still trying to process 12 months down the track. How can a man who's in his 50s have a family on a property with all of that smoke and all of those sirens and, and not be a little more self-aware of the dangers that were coming our way? My guest Albert is reflecting on one of his worst days as a bushfire raced towards his home, initially unaware of the imminent danger. So what was going through your mind then? Um, I know that the next 10 or 15 minutes, it was more a novel kind of thinking. I saw one fire down in the valley. 
And it seemed probably seven, eight kilometres away. And you could see another fire burning to the uh, west, which was going to be the one that shocked the stuffing out of us. I would have thought was 10 kilometres away, not realising that as I look back now, it was about a kilometre away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. So, so seeing that, you, yeah. initially you, you were quite curious about it rather than yeah. frightened at this Taking stage. Taking photos, you know, um, chatting with the family. This looks serious for some people. You know, there must be places that are burning. So serious for other people, you thought? Serious for others. I went about 100 to 150 metres up the road. The road wasn't burning, but both sets of bushes, both sides of the road, about 200 metres in front of us were on fire. And I think in the moment, again, very novel. My goodness, our road is on fire. And so I've stopped the car and I've started taking photos. Again, just complete naivety. And all of a sudden... We could see flames bearing down on a home across the road. It was surreal. It was like watching a movie. I realised that in that moment, I need to get home quick. I'm talking maximum three minutes from the time I'd left to the time I drove back in. Now, you could see a kilometre of flame, one line, and it was right there. I mean, at, at the point I'd parked the car, it was 200 metres away. By that time, two things were clear. One was that the fire was coming for us. There's no out here. The second reality was that Joanna at that point, she was trying to get the pump started on our fire hoses. So I'm driving around taking photos. She's trying to get the pump. So what troubles me is I've left them. And that's one of the thoughts. So I've arrived home. She's trying to get the the fire hoses started. She can't. And I begin to panic. We need to get in the car. We need to go. The the most pressing thought in my mind was I was responsible for killing my family. So on the one hand, you know, I was feeling this sense of overwhelming anger within myself. But at the same moment, I was moving into what needed to be done. I am thankful to God that in the few minutes we had left to make our escape, that there was a plan coming together. It wasn't a good one. It wasn't great. It wasn't brilliant, but it was there. And so all the doors of the car were opened and I just needed four people and a dog and a cat. If I could tape the sounds of the next few moments, that my voice would have been raised. I had convinced Joanna to stop trying to fight her Instinct is to, you know, we can beat this thing. My daughter, Hannah, she was already in the backseat. The dog was in the car. My son had disappeared. Ben was inside the house looking for the cat and he couldn't find the cat and Ben wasn't going to leave without the cat. I had to physically remove him from the house. I remember screaming like I hadn't screamed in my life because of the realisation that the next few minutes were the difference between, you know, life and death. I'm talking with Albert about his life-changing experiences with his family during a recent bushfire. So with the fires at your house, Albert, you know that you've got to get everyone out of there, but you know in some ways that your choices have put you in this life-death moment. What's going through your mind? I became aware in that moment that, that we could die. 
Um, and, and that came about because of that naivety. And that's where the tears come from, I think, and a little bit of the guilt that I think I've carried for a little while. The love that God gives you for your family takes over, you know. So in a sense, again, God is acting in that moment, not because I'm praying to him, but because he's making me realise that the most precious things in my life are now in danger and I've just got to do what it takes to to make sure that... And, and in that vulnerable moment, realising maybe I can't, maybe I can't save them. Once we were out of the drive and we're on our way, I was able to breathe and know that we were fine, we weren't going to die. So tell me about the guilt you said you've been carrying. When you're a father and a husband, there's certain things that you would expect of yourself. I can be a little bit too laid back at times. But I think in that moment, you realise that you have a particular role as a husband and as a father. And so it doesn't cut it um, to be a little bit too laid back and I felt in that moment that it was that part of me that had had failed us all. That guilt is such a huge thing, that weight of responsibility and I think I would struggle to forgive myself. How are you able to cope with that feeling of guilt or not have it weigh on you so heavily? Can you explain that? I don't know if I can. I, I, I feel as though I've come to terms with guilt in my life from a, a, a sense of faith and a different perspective on life and its struggles, that guilt doesn't stay with you in a way that cripples you. Christ has taken my guilt from me. Guilt in general is not something that I wake each morning concerned with feeling guilty. I, God has given me something to allow my life to be uh, less driven by feelings of guilt and more driven by the opportunity to care and love and be there for those who have lost. The entire gospel story is a story that frees us to love and to be there and to have empathy and to to listen and to acknowledge and to help people move through their pain. And, And sometimes we fail miserably at that, but we still have the freedom not to feel the guilt of that and to move to the next opportunity to allow what God has done for us in order to be real in the world and authentic and practical. We don't have to waste our time feeling guilty about things. Yeah, that makes sense. The day of the fires must have been one of the worst days of your life. But I also know that your daughter just recently got married and that was one of the best days of your life. What was that day like? So cool. So cool, you know, like to walk her down the aisle. Yeah, far out. I mean, as a parent, you know your kids well enough to the point where when when they get married, you know them inside and out, you know. And I could just sense that she was completely ready for this. And and once you realise that, you can let go in a joyful way. Yeah, Stephen's just a, a real humble man of integrity who I trust with my daughter's life. Yeah, we are family now. So you've had one of the most joyous occasions and one of the worst times of your life, only 12 months apart. What do you think about when you reflect on the contrast between those two days? That's what life is. I mean, it really is. Life is a paradox. It's the greatest joy and it's the greatest suffering, all packaged into one. And um, because of the joy and, and because of what we know about all that is good, 
somehow we can work in all that is bad, sometimes it becomes too much. And I think God gets that. The mere fact that Jesus did come and he was born into that little manger, which is the shittiest place Mm. that you could possibly imagine a story about God would begin. And I think Jesus spoke that to us. I mean, we make so much about Jesus that he's just rubbish, just religious garbage. You get to the heart of what I believe Jesus was saying was, we're in this together. You know, I come to you and, and I stand alongside of you and I cry with you and I live and I die with you. You don't know what's around the corner except that around every corner you can carry the peace of God with you. And sometimes that might not feel like it's enough, but it never leaves you. You've been listening to Messages of Hope. For free PDFs, videos and podcasts about coping with life-changing moments, go to messagesofhope.org.au. That's messagesofhope.org.au. Or for a free booklet, call 1-800-353-350. That's 1-800-353-350. I'm Celia Filkey. I hope you can join us again next week for another message of hope. Real hope to cope with life's challenges.